Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Ranieri back with you here on the show. And the NFL draft is now officially in the rearview mirror. And as Joe and I have been talking about, we promised that as soon as the draft was over, that we would take a look at a lot of the futures odds for 2020 and potentially give you any updated odds. Maybe some teams that we like a little bit more than some others. And I think at this point, Joe, we've kind of established that not a lot lot of the lines moved a lot. And at the very least, if you're going to bet a futures bet and you're going to bet a season win total at this stage of the game on May 1st, you're probably only going under at this point because you're taking a huge risk on any team going over. It would almost lend you to believe, like, okay, like what could happen for that team to go over? Could they get Leonard Fournette? Like maybe that could happen. Some, you know, Fournette could go from Jacksonville to another team. But I don't see any team drastically improving. And so if you're going to bet an over, you probably want to wait a little bit closer to the season. If you want to bet an under, there's a lot less risk. And by the way, if somebody does get hurt this offseason or even going into training camp, you would cash in on that under if a key player got hurt. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's about value at this point, and you, uh, you're pretty much searching the board from here on out, looking at, all right, so what do I anticipate? What is the price uh, of where they're at right now? And is there a, you know, is there some value there? Can I get 10, 20 cents of value here on some of these uh, future odds uh, in the direction that you think the, uh, the team is going to go? So we talked about Detroit earlier this week, where we thought they were a little undervalued here on the board even though they were a little pricey, but still uh, they seem like an eight and eight football team to us. And that was a pretty good number to be able to, uh, to get out there. So it'll be interesting to see the two you got today and see if there's any value with these. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll take a look at a couple of different teams in the NFL. We'll give you the pros, the cons as to if you're going over or if you're going under Mm -hmm. Uh, again, not much adjustment from the draft, but maybe there should be, it's something that we could certainly talk about. All right, so um, you know, let's take a look at our first team today and kind of dive into where we see the possibility uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And we have their season win total right on that number at nine. Seems like the Steelers are either a little bit above or at nine for the past, what, I don't know, 20 years? <laughs> Every yeah. single year, Steelers are kind of right there. Uh, minus 110 on the over, minus 110 on the under. Their odds to win the AFC are 12 to 1. Their odds to win the AFC North are plus 340. Baltimore is you know, the clear favorite to win the AFC North. There's no question about that. And so, uh, Joe, they get back Ben Roethlisberger. I think that that is key. We had Juju Smith-Schuster, who was hurt all last year. They had horrible quarterback play, maybe the worst in the NFL, with Duck uh, Hodges and uh, who was the other guy? Mason Rudolph. Rudolph was, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Juju in his first year as the guy in Pittsburgh, was hurt for the majority of the year. I had him in a fantasy league last year, and I thought, wow, Roethlisberger throwing a juju all year. This is going to be great. Uh, no, not so much. Right. And yeah. and truthfully, Washington, their other wide receiver, like didn't really step up. Like They just didn't. And, and they were right there, Joe, to make the playoffs. They were still knocking on the door of 9-10 wins. So yeah. I, I don't know what Roethlisberger looks like. I would love to know. The quarterback is just a huge factor with these sort of things. So if I'm if I'm I'm probably not going to be involved in Pittsburgh, but I really like their addition of Claypool. You put Claypool on one side, you put Juju Smith-Schuster on the other. But I got to see Big Ben in a little bit of preseason action to get in on an over here. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a real tough call. I, I do think they'll be a little bit better than they were last year. Uh, they're going to be led, believe it or not, by that defense now. That's that's kind of what they have become. The running game concerns me a little bit because you can't ask Big Ben to go out there and chuck it around 50 times a game. That's not the kind of football they play. And I really do think Cleveland is going to have a very interesting year this year. So uh, Cleveland and Baltimore, double-digit wins. 
The under looks, I don't know, tasty to me here at this sitting at nine. You know, I, especially if we're looking at double digit wins for Cleveland and for How Baltimore. are you looking at double digit wins for Cleveland? I think they I think they can pull 10 wins off this year. Easy. I think they can pull 10 wins off this year. This and I'm going based on the fact that I haven't had we haven't talked about Cleveland once and we've already made it past the draft and we're talking people are at home with nothing to do but talk about Cleveland and we're not and I think that's the first grown up and intelligent thing I have uh heard from Cleveland in years. I think Stefanski's, uh, you know, I think the right influence might be in the coaching chair there, uh, putting his finger on the thumb of a lot of talent and also a lot of ego. And so far, he's managed it uh, massively as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, look, you may be right. I, I could never predict the Browns to win 10 games. Yeah, I, 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 like, I'm with you. I mean, but this is... Feels, feels yeah. high. It's like yep. three wins higher than last year. It's the same team. Different coach gives you plus one, maybe plus two. Let's not forget Cleveland also beat Baltimore last year. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but they yeah. beat Baltimore. Talent. I mean, the bottom line is you got to have talent, right? They the problem they had last year is they didn't have any structure. A little structure could be uh, two extra wins here on the year, I think. So, uh, Because, I, like you said, what kind of big Ben are we getting? Anybody? No, that I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a huge factor in yep. this. That is big time. So that is basically everything. Because, by the way, Big Ben didn't look all that good when he was healthy at the beginning of last year. Yeah, Remember, he played a couple of games. Before it, was, ooh, it was not good. Maybe he's motivated. Maybe he's not. Like you said, though, we haven't seen an awful no. lot of offseason Big Ben yet. So that's also interesting to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, Tomlin is one of the better coaches in the NFL. Absolutely. Whenever I'm going on and over, I always want to make sure. I, that's like the last thing. Okay, now who is the coach? Yes. Because while a coach, I don't think in the NFL is buying you three or four wins, he can lose you three or four games. I think he could win you one. Yep. I think he could lose you a lot. The, the coach of the Browns lost them a lot last year. That I will say, they lost them a couple games. So all things being equal, I see the Browns, and we could do the Browns uh, maybe on Monday. But I, I see the Browns maybe one win better or two. 10 seems 10 seems a little high, but look, you're right. They have the talent there for sure. Yep. All right. So um, from Pittsburgh, we go to what I think most people will feel is the hottest discussion of the entire NFL offseason mm-hmm. and probably the, the hottest discussion going into the regular season in a few mm-hmm. months. It's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their season win total is nine and a half before brady it was seven and a half so they got a plus two there and it's even trending toward 10 it's minus 135 yep the under is plus 115 so you risk 100 bucks you win 115 on a total which is good if you choose to go that route their odds to win the nfc you were looking at that right seven to one no value there that is for sure yep and their odds to win the nfc south is plus 160 of course you have the saints as the favorite and Joe, a lot of people are going to will their way to the front of the line at the sports book to get Tampa Bay to 10 wins. But I've seen this happen time and time again. The Buccaneers could have a really good season, and Brady could have a really good season, and they could be better than they were last year and could easily just win nine games. That's I mean, very easily. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and, and we could look back on the year and say, wow, the Bucs were exciting and they won more than they lost and Brady threw 30 touchdowns. I could only go under here, man. There's no way I would lay minus 135 on the over. None. It's it, it's so overinflated right now. It's not even funny here, folks. Th- this thing prior to Tom Brady's announcement was eight and a half. There was even eight. I thought seven, I thought seven and a half. Yeah, I, I mean, there was eight. There, you. It. Well, now we're talking nine and a half. So Tom Brady, and and we're not talking minus one ten. We're talking nine and a half at at minus one thirty five. It's you know when we talk about value, it works both ways, both over and under. And I got it. Ten wins. I do not see ten wins for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who in all likelihood, guys. They are not, that new quarterback, that 43-year-old quarterback of there probably won't hit the field with any of his new wide receivers and teammates until August, if we're lucky, if things go really, really well. So shorter practice time, a lot more up in the air. I, timing is a funny thing. You actually have to practice it in order for it to come to fruition. And there's not a lot of, at nine and a half wins, there's not a lot of ground you can give up early and they might be doing that until they can get in rhythm. 
Yeah, the other thing, too, that changes the dynamic of this is that with adding an extra playoff team yeah. with the schedule, it also puts teams in a position that anybody that gets nine wins is in, That's essentially. Right. So the Bucks could be on nine wins going into the last game of the season and yep. have nothing to play for. Zero. That's which correct. was never the case in the past. Yep. Yep. And and, and and they could sit guys on nine wins and say, oh, you know what? We're not you know, the Saints won the division. They got their eleven wins. We have nine. You know, we know we're playing anyway on week one. We're going on the road, no matter what. We're the wild card. Let's bench yep. some guys. The last yep. the week seventeen. It, I mean, it easily could happen. Yep, I'm with you. I think there is a uh, there is a serious uh, overvaluing happening here. And to tell you the truth, I don't think it's going to get any less. I, this could go to ten. I mean, at minus one thirty five now, we we could see a ten spot on this board before it's all said and done. That's just crazy. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess they're taking a lot of action on the over. I mean, that's the only reason why it could be this high, right? Plus 160? Plus 160 to win the, win the South. Oh, my word. I, uh, yeah. I just, uh, I don't. I don't see it. I think they'll be decent. I do not think that. I, I just think we don't need a lot to go wrong you know what I mean? We don't need a lot to happen uh, to go wrong in order to win the under in this at nine and a half. But right. anybody who takes the over, you need a lot of things to go right from the start in a 16 week and a, you know, 16, 17 week stretch here. I, I'm not willing to, uh, my money would definitely be on the under because I don't need a lot to go wrong for me to be able to win this bet. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. No. Totally agree. I, I don't. I don't see it at all. And yeah, maybe they'll shock the world and win twelve games. But I'm oh, scared that I'm scared that it uh, it won't happen. By the way, yeah. um, any any chance? And uh, I, I guess not. But yeah, I like know. remind me. Do me a favor. Remind me this time next year mm -hmm. to bet the over on the Colts wins. Okay. Because I'll. I want to get ahead of the Andrew Luck returning. He's gonna. Ha that's gonna happen, right? Eventually. No way. I don't think you don't so. think he's never coming back. I think he's done. I think he's really. Where I think he's he? definitely he coming been? back. I, we all not last this year, year there was nothing. I could not believe it. He went MIA, it's like disappeared. Yeah. Like nobody caught him in a restaurant. I, nobody I, caught. Yeah, I, I think he comes back next year. So remind me this time next year when their total is like around six and a half or seven to get in on that early. Because I, I want to make sure. I, 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 I don't know. I would have loved to have seen him sniffing around something football related last year. But when you go off the grid like that, you go off the grid for a reason. Like that you ain't, you don't want to be, like no TMZ, no pop, nobody talked, said two words about Andrew Luck last no. year. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Cooks made his first public comments as being traded for the third time. Joe, interestingly enough, yesterday says that he feels that teams, uh, it's a good thing to be traded three times because that means that teams want him. Now, look, he's got to say all the right things. And look, he's a he's a human being, too. No. No. But being moved three times doesn't necessarily uh, give you a huge vote of confidence. And no. at this point, I mean, look, Houston's just kind of picking up the pieces with after making the trades that they did over the last couple of years. Right. But Cooks, as it turns out, goes to a pretty good spot. Listen, there's a couple of things with what he said there. Number one, it's a it means that you are a necessity as you as much as you are a luxury kind of item for some teams. Uh, the good news for you is that while you're not vital to a team's success, uh, apparently that's not how they view you. But uh, what they do think is in most your whole career, you'll be in a place where they think they can win. They'll probably be above average team. So you're going to look at it that way. You're never going to be a guy that's anchoring a team, but you're going to be a guy that can get shipped around to three or four teams, and they'll usually always be contenders. Yeah, I've always worried about that in sports when especially – I mean, Cooks is now at the at the point where he's he's been on – wait, is this – oh, he's been – is this his fourth team that he's been on? I think on? this is his fourth team, yes, now that I'm wow, thinking about it. I think this is his fourth team, yep. Yeah, because he played with – uh, the New Orleans, he played first. with the Rams, he played with New England, New England. and now That's right. Houston. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I've always, as a young player, Joe, in, in baseball particularly, mm -hmm. I've always worried about that when a prospect is traded 
Yes. And and I'm always like, well, why did that happen? What did they not see? I'm always a little hesitant with that, especially if it's not for like a superstar type player. Well, like they have their right. right. Yeah. I always get concerned with that. I mean, yeah. Cooks at this point, I mean, he kind of is what he is in the NFL. And for fantasy purposes, Joe, he drives you crazy because it just goes it. one game and he's catches two touchdown passes, 50 yards apiece, and then another one at two catches for 15 yards. He is a great piece to have on a contending team that thinks they, or he is a great piece to have to replace somebody, a superstar that just left like he is in Houston. There you go. You're not going to match DeAndre Hopkins, but you know what? Brandon Cooks, all right, he's been around for a little. Okay, Brandon Cooks, all right, we'll bring him in. The name's good. Sounds like a good name. It, it fills a lot. Of, it saves somebody's uh, arse in, uh, in the front office for sure. <laughs> yep, we're big time. All right, so uh, here's what's coming up here on the show. Coming up next, we're going to dive into our stadium tour. No, more in fact, our, our, we our, our another Gator. We're doing Gator we're soccer. Gator. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, our, uh, our producer, Brent, has provided me, actually uh, provided me and said, look, I know that he, he said, I know you're doing a great job with all of these stadiums, but I can tell that it's getting a little thin. So let me give you some suggestions. The field hockey at Florida did it. Huh? <laughs> and, and he said, you know, women's lacrosse. No, I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> so, so, so he gave some suggestions, and right. I'm taking them under advisement. I okay. used one of his suggestions, and I used one of my own. Okay. And I will say that I was saving this one for the end of the week okay. because I was going to celebrate the end of the week with turning to the month of May, okay. doing a school that you're familiar with, and okay. then going through your old baseball cards. I can't believe you only gave me two out of three this week. I am very disappointed. I know. You made a promise. You didn't keep it. Now we have to wait till next week to do That's it. it. We'll get it. We'll have it though, but I'll give you a couple next of horse week, winners. Joe. Next week, Joe. Next week. We got to go through the Ranieri collection. Uh, we'll go. I'll smarty Jones you this weekend. No, I'll give you a couple of uh, tips that you can uh, you can clear house at the Arkansas. All right. Arbor. That'll make up for, Fair it, for sure. All right. We'll uh, we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Coming up next, where did Joe Ranieri go to college? No, no. That is the topic of discussion coming up next. You may be surprised with the answer. How does a guy from Long Island? end up in the southwest somewhere it's an interesting uh well maybe we'll find that out we'll do that next right here on fst craig and joe on sports grid sportsgrid.com we're back right after this don't go away dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry-leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyrodo.com Fantasy Sports today, Craig and Joe here with you as we close out the week. We start off fresh, May the 1st, with a brand new stadium tour. The month of May is going to be our last month stuck at home, I have a feeling. But it doesn't mean that the show doesn't keep rolling with our stadium tours. Now, Joe, I had a lot of choices today. Yeah. And as I mentioned previously, our producer, Brett, gave me some good opportunities, put a list together for me. I think that starting next week, as long as we're still stuck, we'll keep going with this segment here. Fair enough. But I used one of the two. Would you like to take a guess as to the other that I chose for um, today? I'm trying to think. How many were sent your way? How many were sent to you? About one? Ten. About, About ten. ten. All right. You only pick one of them, huh? Yeah, you see, Brett is um, he's a very big basketball guy. He's okay. a very big uh, college and pro uh, guy. So it, it always kind of comes back to that with him. And I got to tell you, it was really nice to get a suggestion. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that I used it. But I was already, you know what, bent on going with another one because I fully wanted to reward you okay. for bringing in your baseball card collection, which you did not do. Ooh, yeah. Now, in my defense, 
No, no, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, no, you have to. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, you know, right. you know why? Mm-hmm. On Monday, you promised. Yes, I did. I, and, and I have them out. Friday. That's the worst part about it. Like, I, I know. So how about are. next week? Would you promise by the end of next week a double yeah. promise? I'm bringing them in. I'm putting them in the car. This way I don't have to worry about it. By and next done. Yes, done. Done. We're going to be good. And you'll surprise me with them. I'll try and see what they are. Maybe I'll guess them live on the show. This is what we do here. Absolutely. I'll give you my Oscar Gamble special there with the Padres. You're good to go. I'm a little Dave Winfield. You're in. See? Okay. So Joe has promised a second time. We'll see. It didn't go well the first time, but he's made the. We'll give him a break because of the draft, the NFL draft. Like a month ago. Got to throw some excuse out there, right? (laughs) I couldn't come over when I was trying. There you go. I was happy doing University of Florida tennis courts. I would have been there. There you go. You wanted to do that. Joe was like, I, I forgot the cards. You know, the universal DH is coming. I got sidetracked. I got redraft. I'm so redrafted. I redraft the fantasy league. You know, my two, my my League of Legends league. How you doing? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked at it yet. Yes, I know. It's terrible. Yeah. You're, only, you're only 70 games in. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Uh, our uh, first stadium. We are going we to where we go? The place that Joe Ranieri oh, went to no. college in. Wow. Here it is. Damn. Moon Pickens Stadium wow. opened up in 1920. Joe was there for the christening. He was there. Wow. He, cut the, he cut the cord on that. Okay. Wow. Um, 1920. Home of the Oklahoma State Cowboys College Football Championships. Well, not many. Mm, no. how, did, how did the college baseball team do when Joe Ranieri was at Oklahoma State? We That's were the, there. We went to the uh, we went to the regionals. We went to the World Series. Uh, really? Yeah, we went to the World Series. 92, 90. We were there 90. Um, that was when uh, Robin Ventura and Pete Incavilia, uh went. And good old Coach Gary Ward. We had this uh, this habit of getting there and not winning. Uh, we lost in the championship game to Georgia in 91 nothing uh, there. And um, we always made it to the regionals, always made it to the College World Series, but just never uh, were able to get over that hump from the baseball perspective. But Boone Pickens is interesting. I would have went with Henry Iba, but that's all right. We'll go Boone here because he only dumped $14 trillion after I left into this place. And... I mean, the facilities were a little, and don't get me wrong, they were a little, they were, they were all right. I mean, it wasn't crazy, but what they did after when they dropped that money in there, it's, it's unbelievable, to tell you the truth. But okay. nice place. Got some history. And, and how many times have you been back there since you've graduated? Zero? Once. I think it was there once or time. I went a couple of times. I went. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, we had some reunions. I wouldn't expect like, like 10, that. but I no, would expect no, no. Yeah, no, too. no. I went there when they when he first gave him the money and they redid it and they blew it up like that. I went to go check it out and then I was really aggravated that, you know, he did it after we all left anyway. But um, yeah, no, Eskimo Joe still there. All the other stuff still there. You know, tumbleweed. Do you keep in touch with any baseball buddies or no? Uh, I do, yeah. I talked to a couple of the guys. A lot of the football dudes, we were we were really close. All these uh, all these big boys from uh, Texas, though. We uh, I talked to them a lot uh, throughout. So, and they're just Ooh. as mad as I was. So that was good to go. I bet. Yes. Yeah. Better yep. facilities, more success. Mm-hmm. Jason Gilden was, uh, yeah, was uh, he was there when uh, when I was there. So you could have been playing in the big leagues yeah. with a little bit of better facilities. I, hello, thank you. At least that's what I tell myself. So, yeah. <laughs> Instead of grabbing baseball cards for the show. Bam. Thanks. And hitting a button. And hitting a button. Okay. Uh, Where do we go? Okay. Back to the historical players that played at uh, Oklahoma State. And so I'll just give you what I think here. All right. And then, Joe, you'll weigh in on this. But, look, one and two are, like, the best duo ever in the history of any college football team. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas played on the same team, you got to be kidding yeah, like, crazy. I now, now, not for a long time, but they did play with each other for one year. Barry Sanders, of course, Heisman Trophy winner. Thurman yep. Thomas, uh, you know, got to the Super Bowl four different times. Sanders, Hall of Famer. Thurman Thomas, Hall of Famer. Yep. Joe, you cannot find a better duo in college than these two. It's just, it's never going to happen in the history of football. Yes, I would. Uh, and it was funny because Thurman was a little, was older. And Thurman Thomas... It, Barry Sanders didn't start until he was basically his last year there, and he was a, uh, a junior because Thurman had really 
was the workhorse. And uh, and Barry Sanders had a couple of uh, his last year there, just before he got drafted, was still one of the all-time greatest seasons a, uh, a football player and a running back has had in uh, college football. He was just an absolute monster. But, well, you know, that's not a bad place to go from Thurman Thomas to Barry Sanders back-to-back. Right. My word. Okay, and after that, it gets a little thinner, but you've heard of the guys. Uh, yeah. Leslie O'Neill, great defensive end for the Chargers for many years. Yeah. yeah, really good player, underrated, not talked about enough, but was in an era where the Chargers weren't very good. Right. Uh, Russell Okung, of course, Pro Bowl offensive tackle for feels like a decade, uh, once with Seattle and then moved on. Yep. Um, and then people forget about Justin Blackman. He is one of the biggest wide receiver busts in the history oh, of the NFL, yes. unfortunately. Yep. But in college, Joe, uh, this guy was unstoppable. Like yes. they were, I think it was Whedon maybe was a quarterback. He would just yes. throw it up, and yep. it was like 50-yard touchdown after 50-yard touchdown. Unfortunately for Blackman, he got himself into some trouble uh, over the years, and it didn't work out. And it was, you know, Jaguars will go back and tell you it's probably their worst pick ever. But right. look, you're going to give credit to what they did in college. I got to put Blackman on here. Yeah, Blackman, but you forgot the, uh, the, the piece de resistance there. You can't have Blackman without having the dude that came before him. Uh, guy by the name of Des Bryant uh, was also a Oklahoma State uh, Cowboy there. They did have a That's string. Cool. Yeah, they had a they had a string of wide receivers there. Also, the guys that uh, that were a lot of hype uh, coming out. Was, did Des Bryant have more than one good year at Oklahoma State? He had, he, yeah, he had two good years. He, he did. He did? He had, okay. Yeah, he did the thing. His his final year there was the best year. Obviously, that's when he got drafted, but. Um, he kind of paved the way. Then Blackman came in, and Blackman was great, but Blackman was a lunatic. They knew it there at the school, so he was a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Uh, they knew that. But their coach also played there for uh, for four years there. Good yeah. old uh, the mullet was there for a while. I like, I like their coach a lot. Yep. I like uh, Gildan, too, was another big guy. Jason Gildan played a long time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Pettigrew was there, too, for a sure. long time. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, there was a couple of other running backs, too. I think, um, was it? Uh, oh, Hartley Dykes. That was the guy that got them all in trouble. He, yeah, he was the guy that originally they got busted for recruiting. That's what started the downward spiral there on the, uh, the sanctions that came in from the NCAA. Somebody bought him a car uh, when they went there, and... Uh, wouldn't you know it, that uh, that ended up coming out. And then he went to the NFL with the Patriots, and he was terrible. But uh, he was a pretty decent wide receiver in college, but wasn't worth the hype. And then the guy, maybe the the biggest, baddest MF of them all, um, Dexter Manley, uh, was Yeah, so he was, uh, that was Jimmy Johnson's coaching tenure. Wow. Um, and Dexter, you'll be glad to know, graduated with an Oklahoma State degree, and yet we found out years later he could not read or write. So tells you everything you need to know about Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Neri, my co-host on Fantasy Sports I'm just, today. Uh, it's it, man. So I got that paper. I can't read it to you, but it's there. <laughs> had, had you ever considered going anywhere else besides Oklahoma State? Was I, was, I, was, yeah, I was – I had originally um, – I was going to Miami. I was a uh, good old coach uh, Hunter there, Ron Hunter, back in the uh, back in the day. I went Ron Frazier. To, yeah, Frazier, rather. I'm sorry. Uh, we had uh, Stetson, where Tim Foley was the coach at the time. Yeah, Stetson University, Miami, Arizona State, um, Oklahoma State, and I chose Oklahoma State because um, it was just coming off of Pete Incavilia and all of that. You know, Robin Ventura and. All of these, you know, I was like, and it's Oklahoma. How much trouble can I get in in Stillwater? You know, I mean, getting here in Miami, I was like, I'm never going to class. Like, are you got to be kidding me? And I figured it's cows. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Well, you made the right decisions. Good no, no, it was, it was nothing to do there. It was nothing right. to do but get into right. trouble there. <laughs> Go figure. Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, man, a lot of tumbleweeds, baby. There you go. Yeah, Leave the weed out, Joe. All right, here we go. So uh, let's move on from college football to college basketball. Ooh. And this is the Brett Levy special here today. We've got Fog Allen Fieldhouse yes. uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, home of the Kansas Jayhawks. They have won you been three there? college. I have not. No, you never. Yeah, that's that's a special place, man. I'm not going to lie. I have not been there. Now, three championships. I did throw in. You could see the one all the way to the left there on your screen, 1923. 
they did not win that one in Allen Field, uh, Fog yeah. Allen Fieldhouse. But I don't know why. I just felt like adding it today to uh, to the mix. So, mm-hmm. um, look, Joe, there's no doubt that when you're talking about iconic college basketball teams, North Carolina, Duke, we covered both those. Kentucky, we covered both. Those, we covered them yep. too. We even covered the Gators. Kansas is always top two or top three for sure, right? I mean, yep. without a doubt. They're always in the mix. Yep. Yep. Uh, I can, for years, that has always been, it used to be the Big 8, uh, you know, before it was the Big 12. And right. uh, Kansas was as dominant then uh, with Roy Williams as they are now with Coach Bill South. They are, it is a pipeline. It always was. They were never good at anything else, Cam. The football team was terrible. Uh, you know, nobody at their baseball team was terrible. Like everything else was terrible about them. But when it came to basketball and you went to a game there, like, hold on to your hat, man. That was, they love themselves some Kansas basketball in Kansas. That's for, for sure. sure. Yep. Big all, right, all right. So let's take a look at the most iconic players in the history oh, of Kansas God. basketball and really the top oh, two. Oh, the guy at the top. That's right. <laughs> he, did he play there? Did he play yeah. there? Oh, wow. Yeah. He did. yeah. Wow. Yeah, he, I mean, amazing player. Yeah. Um, what, what's funny is that he was he was in a tournament, a uh, a college all-stars tournament or high school. I was college all-stars tournament in New York. And um, he was he, I, I think the story goes is that he was walking down the street because his car broke down. OK. On the way to the stadium. And my dad was was driving by. And ended up picking him up and taking him to the stadium. Get out. Really? Oh, how cool is that? That's awesome. Yeah. Did he know at the time? Did your dad know it was just like, yeah, he was like seven foot. Yeah, it was kind of hard to hide. He wasn't like, but at the time, it wasn't thinking of like celebrity. It was just kind of like, oh, that's that guy, Will Chamberlain, who's seven foot and plays college basketball. Now, forget it. That kind of stuff would never happen. And he chose Kansas. That's great. Yep, that's crazy. Wow. Danny Manning was one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. He You're had fired. a very unfortunate NBA NBA career. Yeah, very um, good. Yeah, a- uh, his NBA career was south with the Clippers. He kept getting hurt, but yes. he was he won a championship with with uh, with he Kansas. Certainly did. Uh, Jacques Vaughn, great point guard for Kansas for a mm-hmm. long period of time. Nick Collison is uh, holds a lot of the records for Kansas. He played yeah, all four years there. Yep. Uh, Paul Pierce, of course, probably the most recent great all-star. And then Mario Chalmers hit that game-winning shot to oh, give Kansas yes. their most recent college basketball championship. So, yep. of course, we've got to put him on the list as well. And the list even is uh, is longer than that, Joe. There's other names, too. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, Wiggins was from the – Wiggins, I think, was uh, – one, yep. one year. One year. He was kind of one and done. They did have their share of, uh, of one and dones, too, as well. But, yeah, especially the old-school guys. You can go back, guys, and – I think Bill Self even played there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Sounds uh, right. I think he played there uh, back in the day, too, as well. So, uh, listen, they're, they're a, uh, from now until forever, they're going to be a program that, uh, when it comes to pipeline to the NBA, they're going to be there for sure. Uh, and y- who was it that told me? Was it Dean Smith might have went there, but then ended up at, uh, at North Carolina? There was a connection to Dean Smith at Kansas, too, and it wasn't just Roy Williams. Uh, he might actually play. I can't remember, but he was either a coach or a player there back in the uh, back in the day too. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Kirk Heinrich also a really yes. good player yes. at Kansas. Uh, Ray Lafrance. People don't remember him too well, but he was a really good player mm-hmm. uh, for him uh, for them as well. And also Frank Mason the third in more recent history. Wow. Yep. Carried Kansas a uh, couple different late runs for them as well. Yeah. So, so there you have it. Yeah, we got three years better than the guy at the top of that list, though. I mean, you know, nope. that's Building. right there. Yeah, that tells you. Yeah, People can't go wrong. Think about that. Don't even nuts. Will yeah. play honestly. Forget college for a minute. Will mm-hmm. Chamberlain played in the wrong era of the NBA, man. Like, yeah, he dominated. Yeah, he was the best player. Yeah, he won a couple of championships. But can you imagine a player like that now in the NBA? What that would be? Just a seven-footer who did everything and led the league in scoring and averaged a triple-double, like mm-hmm. blocks and steals and hundred-point games. He just, you know, he would just be a legend right now yep. in the NBA. 
I it was that game would transfer. Yeah. Those great teams and lost a lot of championships to them, but got yep. to a lot as well. Yep. Okay, uh, coming up next. Stay tuned. Gray Albright, Ooh. hang on to your seats. He's going to join us. We'll talk about whether or not you should be redrafting your fantasy baseball league or mm-hmm. if you should keep the guys you got. That's coming up next right here on FST. This is Sports Grid, Craig and Joe. We're back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Ranieri. Each and every Friday, we check in with Gray Albright of Razball.com to see what's happening in the wild, wacky world of Razball and Gray and Rudy Gamble and Donkey Teeth and all the great people that they have over there getting ready to potentially write about fantasy baseball because it does look like we are honing in on a season. So that's the good news, Gray. The bad news is is that all fantasy leagues that was just announced 10 minutes ago are uh, having to redo their drafts. So it was mandated by Rob Manfred, the commissioner. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 he's speechless. Oh, yeah, but he's speechless. Five leagues? Are you yes. serious right now? Yep. Ah, the commissioner well, said it. You got to do guess- it. <laughs> I guess I can avoid taking Chris Sale in 84 of them. Good call. Yeah. Good call. You never know, though. You know, he could throw righty. <laughs> could be. Yeah, oh, God. How would you so, sum up the month? Wait, 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 wait. I, I, I missed you, but let's, let me talk for a second. So, listen. Okay. So, what is the deal with people redoing their drafts. I mean, come on, really? Like, is, are yes, you really, is, is everything really changing that much? Like, sure, yes. there's going to be a few differences later on. A few. In, like, there's going to be a few differences, <laughs> like universal DH. No, seriously, though, when you are drafting a team, do you not like the guys you're drafting? What, all of a sudden, did Pete Alonzo lose his starting job? I don't understand what all this is about with well, I'll explain it to you if you like. I, I can't. Let me get some popcorn. Hold on. This is going to be good. I just okay, want to get. Well, first of all, first of all, the universal DH is definitely in that big pie chart that you have behind you. I know you use pie charts all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like. <laughs> it's not 80% of the pie. But it's 10 or 20% of the reason. I think that's fair. I think that the universal DH is part of it. Um, Gray, we don't know where they're playing these games yet. We have no idea. Let's assume they're playing in their parks, and we'll just move on from that. They're all realigning. The teams are all playing different teams in different leagues. I mean, that's definitely part of it as well. And on my big pie chart that I have in my house, that's another 10 20%. Okay? So now <laughs> I've just given you 20 or 30% of a reason to redraft. And now let me give you one more. Uh-oh. Great. There's a chance that every single rookie and top prospect in Major League Baseball is opening up the season with their big league team. Every single one of them. If they work out a deal that basically stunts the service time for all of these rookies, and there certainly is a chance that that could end up happening, they would push back every one of those guys that no one took in drafts or maybe somebody took in all those early drafts. And you get them right right away on your Major League Baseball team. I mean, who we did not know that going into the draft. Okay, let's just start at the top. So a <laughs> universal DH. Let's start there because that's the one that has really got me a little bit head scratching. So you have a pandemic and you decide the best way to fight against this is by instituting a universal DH? What? That doesn't even make any sense. I'm not like, saying it makes way, sense, but that's the fact. Major, this is like getting a new DVD player because your garage needs new pavement. Like, what, do you, like, what does a DH Let, have to listen, do with this? They, like, they want to do it. 
because they want to have a universal DH eventually, and this is the way that they get to do it. This is this is why. why would they do it now? I don't understand that. Like that is like it's like okay, we have to delay the season because of the pandemic. I understand. So we're going to start games in July. I understand. Maybe we're not going to be able to play in our home stadiums. I understand. Oh, also. There's going to be a DH. What? <laughs> why? Why are you changing the DH? And if you're in a home stadium, why are you changing the divisions? Does it matter if you're going from like Toronto to Miami versus Toronto to Texas? Like, well, what's the difference? I don't understand I, why. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't listen, everything. The, the first point. The first point that you made is fair. The second point I would disagree with. I think less travel is better, and I think that the that the season itself will probably have four or five game series instead of two or three. They're trying to limit the travel. I get that. No, I I mean I understand there's going to be less travel, or they're trying to limit the travel. But the, on the other hand, is Toronto to Miami really a big like? Is that a big difference between Miami and going to San Diego? I mean, mm. I don't know. What is that? An extra hour in the plane? That is a private plane, by the way. I mean, it's not like they're flying uh, Delta. I mean, let's <laughs> come on. Let's be real here. TWA. They're on TWA. They're on Eastern. They're flying what? Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> people's choice. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so so hypothetically, let's let's say that that is the case. That I mean, have I made a case for you with you or no? You still no, you don't no, want to. Okay. So if they change the entire league for, for the pandemic, if they're like, you know what, we have a pandemic, so that means pitchers can't hit. I'm sorry for whatever reason. That's whatever, right. Don't decide against. But, okay, if there is a universal DH, I agree. It's going to change the complexity of things. But you can get around this by maybe you give an extra, like, three-round draft in every league. You don't have to redraft. I don't want to redraft every team. I don't want to go. Uh, well, I, and listen, you don't have – and look, you don't have to. I just – and I'm not forcing anyone to do anything. I just think it's the right thing to do. Like, I mean, Gray, the, the Cubs the Cubs now have Ian Happ as their DH playing every day. I love you know, that. And you know what? I wrote an Ian Happ sleeper post in December mm -hmm. because foresight. You know he's getting saying? he's getting yes. five hundred at bat. That's it. I mean, okay. I mean, look, and that that has to change the equation. And great, the other part is, did you draft Casey Mize anywhere? Mm. No, I did. I did draft. No, he's on the opening day roster now of the Tigers. Congratulations yeah. for not doing that. I, I mean, well, I mean that's, that's, saying, that's no. That I mean, that's a fair point. And I've been saying this for a couple weeks now. There's definitely the, there's no minor league season. I mean, right. that makes no sense at all. Like, there's no revenue. For minor league season, for them to bother, like, trying to, like, quarantine and, you know, herd the cats of the minor leagues. That I mean, that makes total sense to me. I get it. You're going to have to have minor leaguers on the major league team, and they're going to fudge a little bit with the service time. That all makes sense. And that's why I'm saying you do a three, an extra an extra three rounds on each draft if you want. I mean, but redrafting, I don't want to lose the guys I have. I, I mean, I don't want, and I also, and I really don't want people to get away with drafting Chris Sale. That's really what I want be honest with you, I want people screwed who got yeah. Chris Sale. Be honest, though. How many of your lineups, of your teams you've already picked here to this point, what what percentage would you be like, you know what, I probably should redraft here, where you'd want to redraft as opposed to having to redraft? Okay, now, for, first of all, I don't even know if I remember my team. <laughs> I don't remember mine either. But, but if I were to remember the teams and I were to actually have them in front of me, which I do not, I would say that probably – 95% of the team is going to be fine, and maybe 5% of the team is going to change dramatically. But in any scenario during the season, by this point in the season, 5% of the team has changed anyway. Right. When you draft in March for an NL-only team and you're like, you know, you're guessing who's going to be the starter, I mean, you have no idea in March who's going to be the starter when you're drafting then. So just because you're now looking at a situation where Mackenzie Gore is making the roster. If you took that flyer, good for you. I mean, I, and actually, I did take that flyer. So that's why I'm excited about that one. But you know what I'm saying. 
Right. No, I, I, I do. And I, and I think that the one point in your favor with this, and, and I would say that this, it does really lend to not redrafting, especially in auction leagues in particular. In the mm-hmm. snake draft, I don't care. I think everybody should be redrafting. But I know that you in particular and Rudy, I mean, you guys have software and and you basically would be tipping your cards if you had to redraft. It's like everyone would know who you like and everyone would yeah, still know who totally. you like going into the next draft. So maybe you should have came at me with that and I would have oh, said, OK, and look, he's arguing both sides for you. <laughs> But not not in a snake draft. In a snake draft, Ray, everyone should take two hours and redo it. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I mean, it makes sense to me. I understand the uh, pros and cons to redrafting, but I feel like, honestly, there's so many situations where you have no idea what's like. Everyone thinks they know, but you really have. It's like William Goldman once said, nobody knows anything. Like you're in the beginning of March, you're drafting, assuming some guys are going to make the roster. Like, I assumed Ian Happ was going to make the roster in a draft in February, but I didn't in other leagues. It doesn't mean, like, now suddenly you're drafting with the knowledge. You wouldn't, I wouldn't have known in February if he made the team either. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's just so, like, redrafting sucks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> So what's no, the I, other I, I, option I, I, then? What is it? Just waiver wire time? Like, what do you? What's the other? What's the other option there? If you don't, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think you go with a scenario where you do a supplemental draft. I, that I could see where you're like, okay, let's do three rounds. So this way, if people were in, you know, this is probably for shallower leagues, but you know, for the people who didn't draft. The Mackenzie Gores, Casey Mises, Matt Mannings, those guys. Then you go out and you say, okay, I'll do three rounds. Here, here we go. Go draft your rookies who are now going to be on the team. Because, you know, in a lot of shallower leagues, those guys wouldn't be there. That's actually right, right now on Razball, I'm going around and I'm, you know, I'm doing posts about guys that I think will now be on a team. Like Nate Pearson is, I had a post today about him because I didn't draft him in any leagues up until, you know, uh, before the season because I didn't think he was making the team, but now I do. So, I mean, I get it with something like that, but a supplemental draft, redrafting is like, ah, oh, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as part of this, and, and again, what's interesting in the conversations that I have from what I am told behind the scenes is that we as the media have absolutely no clue as to what Major League Baseball's plan is really going to be. And the stuff that has been leaked is only a small percentage of what the actual plan is. There are some theories that are behind it that are involved, but apparently there is so much more that we have no idea about. Um, so I, I guess we'll just you know have to wait and see. Look, I, I agree with you, Gray, in some, in some forms, you know, and I, and I think it is hard to get everybody back together again in person for sure. I mean, it just doesn't seem realistic, but I think some teams are going to look really bad. I got to tell you, I, I think it's going to turn out that way. And, yeah, and again, definitely. I think there'll be a lot more luck involved with, uh, of course, and, and not for one fantasy, year. Yeah. but also in real baseball. I mean, there's going to be a hundred game season takes a lot of like the, uh, you know, it, the, the great thing about baseball is usually by 162 games, it has, you know, separated the wheat from the shape, and it's like, okay, well, there's going to be, like, a guy who does well in the first half, but his Babbitt neutralizes, and he's not a 370 hitter over the course of 162 games, whereas, like, in a 100-game season, suddenly there's going to be guys that's, like, these weird anomalies where it's like, wow, he had a 415 Babbitt and he hit 385. Mm. Like what? How is a Med Rosario hitting 385? Right. There's gonna be guys like that. I mean, it's just yeah, gonna it, happen. It, it, look, the Nationals wouldn't have made the playoffs last year mm. if it was a hundred games. They won the World Series. Like, um, no, I, know. I completely agree. Uh, I, I think also, like, pitching is going to be off the yeah. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. pitching's off the wall. I mean, yeah. good luck. Yeah. What, what would know, you anticipate? Do, like, I also, I feel like I got, I had an advantage because I never draft pitching high. So mm. I had this advantage, you know, before I knew what was going to happen with a hundred game season. But now all those people who took Garrett Cole in like the first round, yeah. that doesn't look so good anymore. No. Good point. <laughs> when Garrett Cole is throwing 120 innings 
and Julio Urias is throwing 110 innings. Yeah. Uh, it's yep. kind of the same difference, really. I mean, yep. there's not a ton of difference there. So, I mean, those guys who were like, oh, yeah, draft the ace high, like, that doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kirby Yates, good luck with him. How many saves is that guy going to get? Ten? They're going to mix. Eight, eight, eight different guys are going to get saves on teams this year. Yeah. I don't Plus, think, I don't think there's going to be one. Uh, middle relievers is like, yeah. do you, what what goes on with a guy who usually gets 60 to 70 great middle reliever innings who is good for like a balancing of the ratios does a guy like that who gets 30 innings matter i mean mm. does like do you go out and get that or feel that they do but if not if they expand the rosters by five they don't right no, right there's going to be like and exactly and if the game and if the uh, season is compressed in a way where pitchers are just going to like they're piggybacking starters say, and you're getting a guy like Chris Paddock for four innings and LeMay for four innings versus both of them going for six in two separate days. Uh, <laughs> changes everything. Right. Right. Well, well, if they play one double header a week, what are the odds that Kirby Yates is closing out game one and game two? None. That's so you just get the yeah. save opportunity there without yeah. even having it. Right. I know. <laughs> So, so let's end with this. Let's end with I mean, this. I, I said, the way you're like laying it out, I mean, I do understand that it's probably more fair to redraft, but eh, like you know, in most. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But listen, but we gotta we gotta wrap. We got <laughs> like, we gotta wrap it up. Let me end with this. Let me end with this. Hypothetically okay. speaking, in two weeks. Mm-hmm. We get a firm uh, idea, a schedule, a league. It's going to happen. I I can't predict because I don't know. But let's say sometime in June or July, 100 games. People go to Razzball. They're signing up. Gray, how many leagues will you partake in that are brand new when you hear about uh, the new season? How many will you partake in? If you're saying not redrafting, like if I'm not the commissioner Mm -hmm. and they're just brand new, totally brand new leagues, I would say probably three, maybe, just to have, like, you know, to balance out the uh, portfolio, to have a few teams that I drafted at uh, after the season was announced. This way, I could see, personally, if there's a difference, because, you know, I'm talking to a an audience at Rouseball that, that will be, re- some will be redrafting, so I right. want to have, you know, that uh, POV of a redrafter. So I might do, like, maybe three, just to see what it's like. Okay. Hey, um, hope you're well. It's good to talk to you. Good to see you. And we'll catch up again next week, okay? All right. Talk to you later. All right. Gray Albright from Razzball.com with us. A really interesting dynamic making the decision as to whether or not you should redraft, you should draft again, what the season will look like, what the leagues will look like. I will say this as we close. A lot of people are going to be drafting when it's all said and done. That'll do it for the show. For Gray Albright, Joe Ranieri, I'm Craig Mish. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.